retro-atomic zombie adventureland makes its debut. Celts pinball. Hold on, now, hold on. Oh, I, I got Gary Flowers oh, no. calling <laughs> immediately. You can't. It's freaking impossible. Um, our listeners might know that Gary uh, usually uh, at some point tries to call in during the show. Um, I guess he's very impatient this time. He doesn't want to miss out. Um, but we're still in the headline, so hold on. Gary, you're too early. Call me back later. Thanks. Please continue. Okay. Okay. Kelts Pinball, now available to order. And Illinois Pinball's Gene Cunningham dies. Hi, my name is Jonathan Houston. I'm the editor of Pinball Magazine, and I'm here with... I'm Martin Ayer, the editor of Pinball News. And we're here with our monthly podcast, looking back at the news and events in the pinball world from the past month. And this time we are looking back at October... No, November. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's, it must mean it's December already. Oh, the year's almost over. But we're looking back at November 2019. Right. And, well, it's been an interesting month, uh, I would say. And usually we you say that every month. This time, <laughs> apparently, we switch the roles. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, I guess Gary threw right. us off. It's, um, yeah, okay. So it's going to be an episode like that. So, um, okay, let's not waste any any time on that uh yes it was a very interesting month i think uh well like the first headline um retro atomic zombie adventure land is the newest game that has been shown to the public and uh, that, that's the first game uh by deep root pinball from san antonio in texas um so obviously we're curious uh, what it would be like, and what people thought of it, and what did you get from it? Yes. Well, the game was revealed at the Houston Arcade Expo. Uh, we'd had the um, the pictures before, um, and and some details of the game, but this was the first chance anybody had, had to get their hands on it. And it's important to note that the game that was shown was definitely a prototype. It, um, various aspects of, the, of it will change before it goes into production. Um, it looked, as far as I can tell, um, very nice. It uh, had some, some good animations on the display. The playfield looked very colourful, bright. Uh, some interesting shots. Uh, the right-hand ramp uh, is a long, sweeping, curving ramp, which uh, certainly was achievable on those games, but um, certainly wasn't a given either. You had to make this a very clean and, and maybe even a rolling shot in order to get the ball all the way up the top. But uh, it certainly looked like there were there were plenty of options and things to shoot for on the game. Uh, it was running a relatively simple set of rules. It did have a multi-ball mode um, if for completing zombie um, by shooting uh, target at the back of the playfield. Uh, I think it had a, I think it had a second uh, multi-ball as well in there, and it um, it didn't have a huge amount of sound or or uh, voice calls in it, but there were some. And uh, I think everybody who, who played it um, was was impressed by both the appearance and the gameplay, and with the with the prospect of the game advancing and uh, improving even further um, before it's actually going to be revealed um, as a finished product, which is going to be um, early next year. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, I think it's uh, showing great potential. Uh, what did you think? 
Well, um, uh, first of all, let's let's uh, note that we were both not at the uh, Houston Arcade Expo um, uh, where the game was revealed, so we had to do with uh, videos and uh, reports from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my first impression was uh, when I looked at the playfield, uh, I really had a, um, a Belly Williams uh, 90s pinball um, look to it, so to speak. Um, the ramp looks interesting. Um, uh, I like the art on the game, uh, even though that might be placeholder art, but still, um, I liked it. Um, I love the display. The... the um, uh, it's a very um, uh, wide and narrow uh, display um, with apparently uh, somebody did some research um, there are displays um, in that size that have the speakers included like with uh, televisions which is actually um, I'm not sure what the quality of those speakers is but actually it makes a lot of sense to use those type of speakers um, because it might be cheaper than putting in an LCD and two separate speakers like Stern and uh, other manufacturers are doing. So I thought it was actually a pretty clever idea. And I really like the look of it. And I've read very good um, reviews about the, the animations on the game. So that's something that Deepwood really is um, uh, very good at at the moment. Mm. Yeah. From the video that I saw, I saw that a lot of... Uh, first of all, let's say that the, the videos out there are not the best videos that you would like to see. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but then again, um, if you have Average Joe flipping the game um, and Average Joe has a problem with um, getting the ball uh, further up than two-thirds up the play field, um, then you might have a problem. I'm not sure how that's... Uh, obviously, you want to make a shot and then either that, that builds up to something or whatever, or you want to shoot it around. But I got the feeling that the ball either hit a bunch of posts or it got stuck in that um, uh, mini totem lamp spinner type uh, thing, um, which is a bit like the spinner on... Uh, the, the spinning disc on Safecracker, but then upside down. Yeah. Um, and I get the idea that it's supposed to be blocking uh, a shot, but it, um, because it's so small, it appears to be blocking the shot all the time, um, which seems a bit, um, yeah, I was not too fond of that, although I did like the idea of, of making that an upside-down uh, Mac. Um, I can see that, uh, uh, some people are wondering where's the innovation. I can see there there is innovation. I mean, they apparently used a placeholder cabinet, so it's not the final cabinet that the uh, the games will be uh, presented in. Um, and and the back glass art was a placeholder as well. Right, and the cabinet art, and yeah. um, so. Uh, but overall, I was uh, pretty impressed, I have to say. Um, and th- th- that tamed a bit down after I've seen a bunch of videos where not much 
appear to be happening, but also that has to do with uh, game code. I mean, if you shoot a ball up and nothing's happening and it's coming down and you shoot it up and but uh, but I, I I'd say the game has great potential. Yeah, I think we agreed on that point. Um, it was in in a way some aspects of it were you know very well advanced. But also some of the, some of the sort of basic things, as you say, you know, make some shots, you don't get any sounds, or you, there's no, no obvious um, feedback that you, you've completed the shot. That was the kind of stuff you'd expect to be sort of fairly basic in the in the game code. Right. There'll be something there, even if they end up changing what it is or, or how it looks or what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, one thing that I did notice, and obviously a lot of people noticed, that the ramp shot, uh, the center ramp shot, is uh, pretty hard to make, to make it completely to the top of the ramp. It's a very long uh, ramp to get to the top. Um, that's in itself is not so much a problem, but since it's pinball, um, I really hope that they will uh, um, have optos across the lamp that follow how far you get up the ramp and, and add some sounds to that because that will make it far more enjoyable than just shooting up the ball up a ramp and it doesn't make it and it's just rolling back but the game will not know when it's rolling back unless you have some sensors up there that is sensing when the ball is rolling back and if you didn't make it and you want a special uh, a sound effect at least I would like that where uh, it's indicating that you didn't make it obviously you can see it but add a sound effect to that um yeah, that's, that's going to cost a few dollars to uh, to implement, I get that. But um, it's like with the spinners on electromechanical games. Uh, those that really, uh, that have a sound attached to it uh, every time it spins. So, and the, the slower it spins, so you get ding, 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 ding. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, you get sort of the same thing if you have sensors on the ramp that sense where how far the ball is going up and add some sound to that, so. Yeah, well, there was uh, there was no indication of, of pricing on the game, and um, there's been a lot of speculation about that. Yeah, I have with, my own uh, ideas about that. <laughs> well, Deep Root have have said they were, you know, they were looking to um, to be innovative in the pricing of the game as well. But looking at the amount of hardware on that uh, on that on that Razer game, I can't imagine it's it's going to be a cheap game unless they're, they're looking to to uh, do a. Uh, um, a lost leader on the first title, but um, that, that would be a very strange business decision. And I, and I think they they want to promote their product as being a premium product rather than you know a cut price one. Right. So well, obviously, pricing of uh, potential pricing of the game has been discussed. But uh, one comment that I haven't seen being made yet, uh, although I didn't read all the discussion, all the all the uh, posts and, and comments. Um, uh, but my thinking is, uh, obviously, Deep Root is making a certain number of um, original buyers from the Raza game whole uh, mm. by providing them with a new game. I think originally these uh, people paid like $15,000 for that game. I don't think it would sit well if they would get a game that would be priced uh, under the, the the price of a stern pro game, because yes, they got a game. I get that, but if you paid fifteen thousand, you expect to get a fifteen thousand dollar game, 
And so for that reason, I think Raza is not going to be in that ballpark um, as much as I would like it to be. But um, it would just give people that paid a lot of money uh, for a game that eventually, after years waiting, finally get a game. It would still leave a bad taste in their mouth knowing that they got a game that's less than what they paid for, basically. Well, that's true, but um, that's assuming there's, there's just the, the single model of that game. You know, there isn't a, a, a limited edition or deluxe model or a Super Ellie or what do you want to call it, um, which true. is priced higher, which yeah. is maybe what those I people would get. I have no idea what their, what their plans are in that uh, context, but you might be right. There might be some sort of special uh, edition where you get some sort of extras that would apparently validate um, a, a higher pricing mm. so. yeah so um, lots of questions to be answered and we won't know the details of that until the game is officially launched and that's going to take place in March um, now you and I are both planning to be there right. I think yes. uh, Deep Root have, um, have told us that they are going to be doing a press launch for Raza and maybe other games and that will be taking place on the 25th of March 2020 at their uh, San Antonio facility. And that uh, that date is um, it's a Wednesday, I, I believe. Yes. And, and that's just, two, just basically two days uh, ahead of uh, Texas Pinball Festival. That's right. So uh, people who go to the, the launch, the press launch, on the Wednesday will then have the Thursday to travel up to um, Frisco and uh, get ready for the the start of the Texas show on Friday. Right. And I guess that's what we're going to be doing. Um, yeah. I'm already looking forward to it. Hard eight, yeah. here we come. <laughs> <laughs> Those who don't know, that's a, uh, a barbecue. Um, I don't know, shack? Um, Restaurant. Yeah. Um, just a short distance away from the Texas Pinball Festival show. Uh, but, it's a very popular one. Barbecue restaurants all over Texas, so um, I'm really looking forward to it. I bet you are. Yes. <laughs> so, so we're but, uh, uh, <laughs> no, but um, um, I think in general the uh, the reveal of uh, Raza, um, uh, although it was a, a a soft launch, so to speak, um, and the idea was to collect data from uh, basically people playing the game uh, at this show. Um, I think, um, well, the game has potential. Um, there were some mixed responses online, but mostly by people who didn't play it, weren't at the show. So, okay, that's easy to form an opinion behind your keyboard. Um, I think... Deep Root did um, probably did very well for what they were intending to do, and it has us talking about them for fifteen minutes or how much is it? Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's um, well, it's, it's a potentially very interesting um, game in itself, but of course it's uh, it's the it's the launch game for Deep Root, so it's it's going to set the tone for you know how we perceive the company and their products. Right. So there's a, there's a lot riding on this game, and uh, and you know if the first game is you know, doesn't doesn't go well, then that uh, that puts them in a difficult situation for games two and three and and so on, and they need to recover. But so starting off strongly, and it looks like they did, 
with this one is uh, is good for the company and uh, hopefully be good for pinball as well. Right, and all I can hope now is that they will have production uh, organized in a decent manner, um, so that when they reveal games, that they have games available right yeah. away or soon after. Um, I mean. Uh, we both know, and I think uh, by now everybody who followed pinball the past decade knows that setting up a pinball company is not something that you do um, with the... You, it's basically, pinball is hard. And setting up a, a factory that's supposed to be building pinball machines, that's a beast on its own. So designing pinballs is one, then uh, manufacturing them. And... Uh, on that area, I have to give credit to Stern. No matter what you think about their games, um, the manufacturing aspect is something that they are probably, the, without a doubt, the best in the industry. Uh, you can criticize the quality of certain um, uh, parts or whatever, but still, that manufacturing aspect is... Uh, they, they got that nailed. Basically. Well, absolutely. I mean, when they're not calling themselves a global lifestyle brand, um, Gary Stern was always very insistent that, that Stern Pinball is number one a manufacturer. Right. Um, and it just so happens that they're, they're manufacturing pinball machines, and he always he always saw the the manufacturing as the as the number one thing he has to get right, and then uh, the, you know, the game design and all the bells and whistles hangs off that. Right. So yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, and we that, have seen that's, that's almost the opposite of what some other companies have, have done. Uh, they come up with a great, well, no, small scale companies come up with a, a great or a good idea for a game, um, which looks great on paper and looks looks very impressive in the renders. But then when it comes to actually building it, that's where the problems crop up. Right. So hopefully, Deep Root will have that um, uh, narrowed down, or uh, what the expression uh, <laughs> may be. And, yeah. Um, well, they've. Uh, I've got um, basically four months from uh, when they showed that game at uh, the Houston Arcade Expo until they uh, they're launching it as a as a finished product in March next year. So uh, we'll see how much has changed in that intervening time. I was assuming that what was what was at the show was the the current state of the game and not a not an earlier version. Right. right. Okay. So yeah. So, oh, and on uh, one of the videos that we saw, uh, I don't know, I, I, at least I saw, I, I assume you did as well, was um, was from podcast host uh, Jeff Teolis. Right. Okay. Yeah, who um, who was playing the game with uh, with Emoto. Emoto. Yeah. Yes. Um, that was a, a video that um, is Pro on YouTube. Yeah, probably the best video of that game uh, currently available. Yeah. And they were, they were doing a bit of uh, swapping between uh, who was holding the camera and describing the game and who was playing. Uh, but Jeff also has a role in the game, as yes. far as I understand. Yes, what I understood from the uh, super awesome pinball show is that Jeff is one of the um, uh, voice talents in the game, so he's doing call-outs. And apparently there's another uh, Texan-based uh, uh, uh person who has been asked to do uh, voice calls in the game, but they didn't really didn't want to get into details um, who that was. Mm -hmm. But Jeff Tionis has been confirmed as one of the voice actors in uh, Retro Atomic Zombie Adventureland. 
Yeah, very good. Oh, well, he's got a he's got a very good voice. Yeah, for uh, for radio podcasts and uh, and now pinball. Right. So, yeah. so and wh- okay, while we're on the topic of the super awesome pinball show, yes. Um, and you mentioned uh, radio. Um, I take my hat off to um, uh, Ed Vanderveen, Christopher Frenchy, and uh, Christian, who did that uh, super awesome pinball podcast. Their first uh, episode. It's not a podcast. It's basically you're listening to a professional radio show. Sound quality wasn't uh, all that great on in, in certain bits, and they uh, addressed that as well. Uh, they're working on that, but this was really a po- uh, this was really a show. Um, you can see that Christopher Frenchy has a history in uh, making uh, radio. And uh, so they, they, they had lots of jingles and items and, and, and all that stuff. Um, I thought it was really impressive. So uh, for a first uh, episode, I'd say congratulations to uh, the Super Awesome Pinball Show. I, I'm afraid I haven't listened to it yet, but uh, based on your recommendation, I shall be, uh, be streaming that um, over the weekend. Right. So, no, it's highly recommended. So... Um, um, in terms of production, I don't think any other podcast, um, if you're looking at it like production, like uh, from a radio standpoint, then I take my hat off. Mm-hmm. I wish we had production like that. <laughs> well, one day perhaps. You know, once all the sponsorship comes in, we'll uh, be able to afford some uh, sort of professional production facilities, right? And uh, and staff. As well, yeah, to do all the editing and so on. Oh well. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. moving uh, on. Yes, our second headline was um, was all about Haggis Pinball. Yeah, uh, it was before Australia. Gary uh, Gary interrupted. Well, yeah. I'm surprised he yeah. hasn't called back yet. But he'll be he'll be back in a moment. I'm, I, I can feel it. Yes. Yeah, so Haggis Pinball. Um, they at the uh, Pinball Expo. They had their Celts game, which was uh, in the vendor hall. And they had it. Um, they were saying they were would had a price on it um, of five thousand two hundred and fifty US dollars. Mm-hmm. And um, they were saying that uh, they were going to start taking orders for the game through their website uh, on the first of December. Well, I looked a bit earlier today and um, tried to order one, and it was saying that I had to call them to get a price. But um, literally. You know, ten minutes before we started recording this podcast, I had another look, and uh, it had all changed. And now there are prices on there. So the base price for the machine is still the same, five thousand two hundred fifty US dollars. Right. But it also gives the options to have your name in the game. I, I guess that means on the on the display, uh, which uh, would cost you one thousand dollars to to have that. Wow. So, yeah. So. Um, I dare say anybody uh, knowledgeable enough in that particular aspect of the game could probably hack into the game code and add their name to it for rather less than that. But uh, other options are available. You can get um, a a series of different trims, um, which is metal work in various colours. That's a $500 option. And um, you can have a bunch bunch of uh, toys, uh, suitable Celts-themed toys added to the the playfield. And that'll cost you two hundred and fifty dollars. What? So, <laughs> yeah, well, it must be good ones. So I haven't seen them, but uh, two hundred and fifty dollars, I guess, all included in fitting. 
Um, and this is um, this is selectable when you order the game. So yeah, the price can go from uh, add all that in, and it can go from uh, five thousand two hundred and fifty up to about seven thousand uh, when it's maxed out. Um, but you know, it's still you can make a decision whether whether or not those things are uh, important to you or not. Right. So. Um uh, but um, yeah. they've they've been um, promoting the game. Yeah, through, uh, daily uh, vlogging. Uh, uh, yeah, Damien is da- daily vlogging uh, by now. I think he started uh, halfway through uh, November uh, doing that, and there's re- literally um, every day since then updates on his Facebook about uh, uh, what's going on with the uh, production of the game, um, which sort of gave me the feeling like shouldn't you be building games instead of. <laughs> doing all these uh, video posts, but okay, I guess he's um, used to doing those, so sure, why not? Um, so check out the, the Haggis Pinball on Facebook, um, I'm not sure whether the videos are also on uh, Instagram, but Facebook for sure, and, um, and the game's available to to order if you like what you're seeing uh, through haggispinball.com where right. they have a shop and you can also buy some other uh, um, haggis pinball related um, pinball merchandise like caps and uh, keychains and bottle openers and things like that right so one thing that I uh, found interesting I saw some pictures um, of back boxes uh, for uh, Celts in mm-hmm. um, uh, online um, and it appears that uh, the back of the back box has um, the, the Haggis Pinball logo, um, which is a pinball with a sort of, uh, uh, what is it, a sort of explosion type of thing uh, on top of it. Um, that ha- It has mm. that cut out, uh, out of the wood, the uh, back panel of the back box, which uh, could indicate either two things, I think. Either um, it's going to be um, uh, there's going to be a, a plastic cover uh, from the inside or outside, whatever, or it's going to be filled up with some sort of material. But it could also be backlit. Not sure what, whether that's something worth. Uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's, the, it's the back of the game, but in a game in a game room, it might look interesting to see that they actually did something to make the look the back of the game look more interesting yes yeah, so not that people, anything that people will see normally but uh, if it if it did sort of project their logo onto a back wall or something the behind the machine if there was enough space uh, yeah it could be an interesting addition um, or it might be something i don't i haven't seen any mention of a topper of course for the game yet but that that might be coming or might be made by third parties, but it could be something that could be incorporated it, right. um, into the into the topper sort of by backlighting it that right. way. Well, uh, or you could have uh, if you have game modes uh, and each game mode has a different color. Um, oh, if it would point. be backlit, yeah. um, then basically, if it, even if it's against a wall, then the wall would still integrate with gameplay because of that backlit um, logo. So yeah, it could be. I mean, it could be like the you know, the Philips TVs that have a ambi light, right? Uh, where they 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 light up the wall and behind maybe, the behind the set. Maybe it wasn't intended to be backlit, and we just gave them a good idea. Okay, well that's all right. There's plenty of plenty of good ideas out there. So 
reasonable chance we'd come up with one every now and again. Right. So, so that's, um, um, I think that's everything about Haggis Pinball. Um, yeah. So you can, you, you can uh, watch their blogs and um, and get updates through the uh, haggispinball.com website. Right, okay. Um, moving on to, uh, since there's still no sign of Gary, moving on to yeah. uh, our third headline before we get to uh, the news of all the other manufacturers. So we're not done yet, don't worry. Um, the passing of Illinois pinball Gene Cunningham. Yes, um, he's probably someone, that, I mean, you probably know him more than I do, yes. because you actually went and stayed with him for a while yes. uh, during the building of uh, Big Bang Bar. So right. uh, I, I don't know if you want to tell us a little bit about about your experiences of working with, with, with and for Gene. Sure. Uh, first of all, my uh, sympathies and condolences to the Cunningham uh, family, which is quite Absolutely. a large uh, family. Um, yes, um, so for those who don't know who Gene Cunningham was, uh, Gene Cunningham um, owned a lot of property in Bloomington, Illinois, and uh, I guess that's sort of the base for uh, his fortune, I would say. He had a, uh, a bowling ring in there um, where he, uh, that he was operating. Uh, but he also uh, rented a lot of houses uh, to, mm-hmm. um, I think, to the, even to the state and what have you. But um, uh, obviously he had a passion uh, for pinball. He had a huge collection. Um, and in I think when Valley Williams closed in 1999, uh, as well as when Capcom closed, uh, Gene was there to uh, buy... The remaining assets, which is what he did, yes. and uh, um, that allowed him to to start Illinois Pinball, which was supposed to become a, a manufacturer for uh, spare parts. Um, but in all fairness, I have to say they were not as organized as they probably should be, in the sense that. Um, to get us, uh, uh, when I was there, I, uh, it appeared they had great difficulty getting the quality that they needed uh, for certain parts, or the vendors that they were sourcing it out to had problem making the product while they initially said that they could. Um, they also, Gene also um, acquired a lot of stock didn't he from uh, from williams a lot of parts yes uh, the boxes and boxes of stuff and i think one of the big problems there was it it was a huge task to actually work out what they had and yeah, that's where probably it was. their own fault i know a very a very interesting story about that um which i'm going to share actually mm-hmm. um jim petla who we know as a uh, pinball designer um he was one of the last people to actually work for the pinball division um, for Williams. And one of the last things that he apparently did um, was actually um, uh, doing the inventory of all the uh, remaining stock. Um, And it was all sorted. And then when Gene bought it, basically they brought in a couple of trucks. They put everything in the trucks and out was the order 
everything organized. They just threw it in the trucks and it was just one big pile of parts. And apparently, uh, then it took months, if not longer, to sort it all out. So, yeah, it, it was. It was. It was certainly years. And I remember um, they eventually got um, set up the, the bear cave as a means of trying to sell the parts. But even then, what was actually on the website and what was actually in stock was uh, often very different. So I, th I think they always struggled to work out what they had right. and where it was. And I think part of that problem is caused by the fact that um, Gene uh, favored family uh, or uh, preferred to have family working for him than, than other people. Um, but just because they are family doesn't mean that they are the best people for that job. And, um, oh well, um, in a sense it's a miracle uh, So that Gene managed to actually build 183 Big Bang Bar games. Um, for those who don't know, Big Bang Bar is a uh, Capcom game of which originally only, I think, nine prototypes were built. And um, there was some talk that Williams would even uh, take the design into production after Capcom uh, closed their business. Um, eventually, they didn't. Um, and that game in the early 2000s had such a um, status on, uh, on online, so to speak, because the story behind that game is so interesting and um, at some point, uh, I think in 2003, Gene Cunningham announced that he would be um, building uh, Big Bang Bar, uh, initially 111, because he counted how many board sets he had uh, from Capcom, um, and he came to 111, so he figured that he could build that game uh, that he could build 111 of these games uh, which is quite a bold statement for someone who never built a pinball machine before and as it turned out it took him like I think over two years to to get production actually going and then it took another year before games actually got delivered although um, uh, the games that shipped to Europe actually got released a year ahead of time due to the uh, ROHS compliance yes. uh, laws being applicable or what have you. So, yeah, anyway. due, to the, due to the lead in the solder used, I think, was the main, main thing there. Right. So, anyway, um, I ordered a Big Bang bar, and I, because I, I, I didn't know Gene, but I, uh, I rang him, and I was like, so you have no factory, how are you going to build these games? And he explained what his plans were, and it seemed to me like he could use some help. So I basically offered uh, to come over for the month, and uh, we discussed that, and uh, uh, we found a, uh, a way to make that possible. Uh, the problem was, the only problem was we didn't know yet when. So at some point... We picked a date, and so I think I went from, I don't know, I don't even remember when I was there, but it probably was something like October or so. And, um, um, yeah, I stayed there for a month. 
um, Jean had arranged housing, uh, which was great. So I could basically live there in a uh, free uh, bungalow apartment or whatever you want to call it. Um, and um, obviously, I made some some. Uh, I negotiated my state with Jean. He 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 stayed. Uh, he kept all his promises to me. So. Other people have had some um, less fortunate experiences. Um, I'm not one of them. I have really nothing bad to say about Jean Cunningham. Right. Okay. Well, and uh, uh, what I do have to say, um, during my stay, Jean took me to Chicago. He took me to Foremost Plastics, where most of the inserts for pinball machines are being manufactured. He took me to Stern Pinball. He had such great stories to tell um, on the road while we were driving up uh, somewhere. Um, he was a true um, uh, pinball enthusiast, I'd say. And, of course, he has a collection, or had a collection. At that time, it had contained um, uh, Wizard Blocks, the third Pinball 2000 game. It contained the fourth Pinball 2000 game, Playboy, um, and lots of rarities that you hardly ever see uh, anywhere else. The problem was most of those games were all packed up or, or not even playable. Um, mm, but yeah. this, the collection was just immense. Yeah, I think uh, well, he had well over a thousand games, didn't he, in, yes. uh, spread across several warehouses. And um, and there are there are videos available um, where where um, he he sort of guides you through that that collection. Uh, I'm not sure whether they are part of the uh, the pins and vids series. They might well have been, um, but uh, I'm sure uh, Al will correct me on that if that's not the case. But um, it, it is you know it's quite amazing to see um, those. Um, those prototype one-off and um, and uh, yeah. sample games right were in his collection, but as you say, it's, unfortunately they they weren't kept in in great uh, conditions, and um, you know leaking roofs and um, damp oh, and yeah. things did, did take their toll on. Uh, and eventually, all that was, was was sold off, I think, in order to uh, to pay various debts, and um, uh, and in the end, the uh, um, well, I think uh, I think it was just to say that um, the the Big Bang Bar project is definitely going to be his uh, his, the, 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 his legacy. Yes. what he'll be uh, most remembered for, and uh, there are you know over 180 machines out there which right. exist now, which wouldn't have existed were it not for him. Yeah. Um, on a final note, um, I'll try to 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 say this as respectful as possible. I think the Big Bang Bar project which is currently a project that he lost apparently over $100,000 on, um, it could have actually have been profitable if he wouldn't have been um, so focused on sticking with the Capcom hardware system. Because uh, even though at that time it was still not as common as today to... to um, Work. Uh, I, I mean, uh, P-Rock or a fast pinball. Those mm. types of uh, hardware to control a pinball machine were not available yet. But Gene insisted on building the game Big Bang Bar 
um, and he even wanted to start building Kingpin. Yeah, that's right. But he wanted to use the original Capcom hardware system uh, because he saw a huge market for spare parts for for those uh, games. I'm not sure whether that was uh, right, but the problem that they ran into for years is that Capcom has um, a security chip on their um, uh, CPU board or whatever you call it, and uh, that chip would um, that that contains a number of fuses that are uh, uh, blown out in a certain way. But if you try to hack it, if you blow another fuse in there, then it doesn't work anymore. Mm, that's right. And yeah. they uh, they had the biggest problems. Uh, I think I don't think they ever succeeded in hacking that chip, but they spent literally years of trying how to uh, to do it. Um, yes, I remember. I remember a seminar where he was, he was describing how they actually physically take the chip and they start sanding it down from the, from the top surface down until they get to the component level inside the the package, and you can see which particular links are made and which ones aren't anymore, and then you can try and replicate that, you know, by looking at it under a microscope just to see which where the connections exist inside. There's no way of, of kind of reverse engineering it by by interrogating it, um, by by by, you know, by uh, trying different combinations and seeing what worked. It was uh, a very it was a, a security chip for a reason, and uh, yeah, that was as you say, that was one of the just one of the many things which uh, which stood in his way of uh, of making yeah. future games. And uh, and his lack of uh, computer knowledge also didn't help him. I mean, you he. he I remember that he was saying, like, we can't get one computer talking to another. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but apparently there was, that was, he was, what, that's what he was told by people working on it. And um, in all fairness, I think quite a few people took um, advantage of that because they figured like, okay, we got somebody who has no clue what he's doing. I can tell him anything and he'll believe it. And, start, and he still will pay every uh, invoice that I send him. So I think some people took advantage of that. Okay, well, uh, we'll uh, as you say, was our condolences go out to uh, to Gene's family and uh, those who who knew him personally, and uh, his his legacy lives on in uh, through his games. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, uh, I have nothing so, to add. On, so. No, let's move on to onto some slightly, uh, well, some significantly happier news um, as we uh, well, so we can start looking at, at what various pinball manufacturers have been well, doing over the past month. Well, speaking of happier news, Stern Pinball did not announce a new game last month. No, no, I thought they might do. Um, we thought thought there'd be a new game. Um, Announced such that they would have it for um, this, uh, is it the CES show in January. Yeah, but they, they still uh, might do that. I mean, we're still early December. I still right can. Now. Yeah, yeah, they still can. Sure. I um, I thought people were expecting them to announce a game in between Christmas and New Year. So well, I can do, but it's uh, it's a difficult time to get um, too much publicity for a, for a new game launch. 
you know, with um, they'll probably be the, the only ones. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, true, but uh, you know, various magazines and are probably shut down over over that period. Um, so it would be, be good to get it out before. If they possibly can, yeah, but, but it will probably be similar to uh, to Monsters, which was completely revealed, I think, at the CES show with a big uh, uh, dress up by Gary and Zach and uh, Jack Danger. Oh, yeah. So um, we're probably looking at something like that, I think. Um, um, so um, that's yeah. So there was n- no new game announcement. No, so far. not yet. But we're still expecting no. one this month. Yes, we are. Yeah. We'll, Although we'll, even we'll see where um, that happens. Elvira is and Jurassic Park are relatively fresh games. So they are. Yeah. And speaking um, of those two, uh, they actually uh, got uh, code updates to start with those. Um, you know all about the details of uh, the code updates for Jurassic Park and Elvira. Oh, you want to get into Park? that? or Yeah, well, yeah, I'll just do a quick summary. Jurassic Park's up to version uh, 0.95, so getting very close to being um, a, you know, a feature-complete version, which would be version 1. Um, they've actually added some new modes, which is interesting. They've got Visitor Center, um, Museum Mayhem, um, and Secure Control Room mini wizard modes have been added which is uh as another one actually uh in invalid frenzy <laughs> which uh i've seen some pictures of uh from from keith i think uh, been posting that on uh, on facebook and there's um, lots of new sound and lighting effects um a few bug fixes uh, which is kind of inevitable when you add new, new code and some of the features um the way they they work has changed as well um, won't go into all that now because it's um, it doesn't make any sense unless you know how they work before. And, right. Uh, so yeah, so uh, quite quite a big update actually. So for for Jurassic Park, uh, not such a big update for uh, Elvira's House of Horrors. That's um, that's on version 0.87, so a little way behind uh, when it comes to getting the release version. Uh, they have um, just made a bit of a change to the way uh, the junk in the trunk multi ball works. But again, you know, unless you're familiar with that, we, we won't, won't bore you with the details of that. Uh, they added another haunt, uh, which is a, means a, another movie right. they, they put in. Uh, this one, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, uh, which sounds um, probably as uh, high quality as it actually is. <laughs> the movie that is not the mode. I'm sure the mode every bit as good. But you have to um, you have to get into the locked room, uh, which means getting uh, the key in order to start that mode. So it's, uh, it's not one which is available straight away. It has to be qualified. Um, and they made some things easier. They made uh, the number of um, film clips, the number of shots you need to make to complete those movies, those haunts, uh, lower for standard play. But actually made it harder uh, for tournament mode. And um, oh, Well, I don't feel sorry for tournament players, sorry. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, probably... Um, I was going to say probably... Um, uh, make the game a bit faster but it won't it means you have to <laughs> have to complete as make more shots but uh, maybe it means that there's, there's more life to the game if um, more longevity to it um, and then there's trunk multi-ball which um, which is a bit, a bit strange one this um, it's not you can't now combine it with garage multi-ball or vice versa um, so that's, that sounds like something they've taken away hmm. but I'm sure there's a good reason for doing that uh, and then, of course, 
there's the usual bug fixes, uh, the way a few of the features change, some of the other features change, and they've added some more speech to the game, but I don't know whether any of that speech comes from Elvira herself. I suppose I suppose it must do for the uh, for the Santa Claus Conquers the Martians haunt. Right. There must be an introduction from her. Um, oh, and there's also... Um, New yes, quote there, from Batman. On the only two. Yeah, exactly, Batman 66. Um, this is kind of like a, a, a even more minor update. Doesn't add anything feature-wise to uh, for, for the gameplay, but sort of adds in a bunch of sort of standard operator features and adjustments uh, to the to the sort of underlying control system which you you would expect to be in the game these days. Um, but uh, were never put into into Batman sixty six until now, and uh, and now they are. So those are the three. Um, new code versions, um, Jurassic Park, Elvira, and Batman 66. Right. Okay. And uh, Stern was one of the four pinball companies present at the IAPA show in Florida. Mm. Yeah. I think they had the biggest booth of all uh, all the vendors, which is not surprising because they probably also have the most games to sell. Yeah. Or the most titles, nice I Yeah. Yeah, they had a, had a lot there. They had uh, Elvira, uh, Jurassic Park, of course, uh, pro and premium models of Jurassic. Star Wars. Uh, Deadpool. Yeah, Star Wars comic art was there. Deadpool, Guardians of the Galaxy, Monsters. Yeah, a, a big display, um, as as we used to seeing with, with Stern these days. It's uh, still still uh, very impressive, though, when, when, you, when you do get to see uh, the stand that they put together. Um... Right, and, and uh, one of the other new things, I suppose, which they have done, is um, it's not actually available just yet, but they are taking orders uh, for the new Star Wars topper. I say new; um, it's so new we don't actually know exactly what it looks like. We've seen one before. I've seen a which, picture, so I know what it looked uh, like. We know what it looks like. We don't know how it how it operates. What the functionality of it is. It was um, it was on show when uh, Star Wars was um, well during the, the factory tour at Pinball Expo a couple of years ago. Right. And that was just R two D two. It was sort of just turning left and right, and had a light, which which came on and went off. Um, yeah. Didn't and if you, if, if you get a free play, it sprays confetti. <laughs> No, he doesn't. <laughs> no, that, that would be impressive, yeah. especially if it, if it collected it all up afterwards, and uh, so it could do it again. Um, yeah, so orders, well, pre-orders, I suppose, for that are being taken at the moment. Right. Um, it's quite an expensive topper, I have to say. I think it's like seven forty-nine. Um, yeah, and, and they are limited to five hundred units, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, whether they're limited to 500 units because of the price, they don't think they'll sell many. Yeah. Um, it's certainly one for die-hard Star Wars fans, I think. Right. Maybe, uh, interestingly, maybe not for um, players. Yeah. Interestingly, um, I've already heard people talking about um, basically buying a topper, even if they don't have a Star Wars game, just to keep it in the box and sell it in a couple of years, because I think the the, the value of these will even go up any further, or even more. Sorry, mm. uh, well, which is I wouldn't invest in that personally, but some people think like that would be a wise investment. 
Yeah, well, certainly wouldn't be the first time people have bought things uh, as an investment. And I mean, sometimes, sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. It's uh, I'm, at the moment, I'm not aware of a huge uh, topper aftermarket uh, business uh, going on. I mean, if people have a topper on a game and, and they sell the game, they usually sell it with the topper included. Uh, yeah. At least that's my impression. But um, oh well. Um, mm. Apparently, so, other so toppers were, were limited as well. I have no idea whether that's actually true. Whether the kiss topper or the topper for um, uh, I don't know what games they had. They, they, they did all <laughs> sorts of toppers. Um, uh, personally, I'm not keeping. Well, I'm not keeping track. And I, I remember the kiss one, but I'm not sure whether that was limited or not. Uh, I just thought it was an expensive light box. Yes, which which um, basically mirrored what was happening on the on the translite or back glass underneath. It was a Kiss logo was right underneath the Kiss topper, right. the same words, but um, and it was lit uh, in the back box and uh, lit in the topper. So yeah, but but uh, but was the Kiss logo animated in the in oh, the back glass? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it could light up the letters individually. I remember that. Oh. Aren't you not talking about the belly game instead of the stern one? Uh, I believe the stern one could do it as well. Okay. Yeah. I've, Don't yeah, remember. I think I've seen that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, one other product from uh, from Stern's um, swag shop, I suppose, as you you might describe it. Yeah. Is uh, to do with with the Black Knight game. Yes, the soundtrack um, uh, of uh, Black Knight Sword of Rage uh, with uh, music composed by uh, Scott Ian of uh, Anthrax um, is, was already available at uh, Comic-Con a couple of months ago uh, where they had a uh, limited edition blue vinyl. I think it was limited to 100 uh, copies. And... Um, Although not officially announced, I think we reported on our podcast that um, we would not have seen the last of those. Uh, there would be other uh, or uh, finals uh, becoming available at a later stage, which now, uh, and just as I expected, uh, they changed the art of the uh, cover and the color of the vinyl. At Comic-Con, uh, they had a blue vinyl, and uh, right now in the Stern Shop, you can order a um, orange vinyl of the uh, Black Knight soundtrack for and, uh, uh, just under $26 plus shipping, which is not too bad, I guess. Uh, I, I guess not, if you if you like the music. Yeah, then, uh, uh, my guess is this is actually something that a lot of people might be interested in not because of the music, but just to have it as a um, uh, pinball, um, what do you call it? Um, just a memento or a yeah, something like souvenir, especially if you're in the game. And, and I, I suppose if you were that inclined, you might even be able to make it into a, an attractive topper um, right. with some suitable light. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm interested in one. Until I saw what shipping to the Netherlands cost, and then I lost my interest. <laughs> well, I'm sure, be able to pick one up um, in uh, in Texas right. in March or or uh, or Milwaukee. 
um, yeah, that's what I'm DC. counting on. But it's uh, good to see that uh, they announced, uh, I think it was uh, just before Black Friday, they announced uh, this vinyl now being available. <laughs> so, right, if, right, right. Yeah, so if you're, if you're into that, then uh, here's your chance. Yeah, okay, I think that uh, wraps up the Stern Pinball News. Don't yep. think we have anything else for them. So let's move on to uh, well, let's move to the, the, uh, what Jersey Jack yeah. people have been up to. I'm just looking at my phone, but still no Gary. Oh, you, well, you might have to call him at this rate. Yeah. Okay. Well, usually he comes in when we don't expect it the most. So now that we're counting on it. Okay, well, that sounds about right. Yeah. Okay, but getting back to Jersey Jack pinball. Um, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, of course, is is their their current game, and uh, we we said the uh, the collector's editions were about to uh, go into production uh, in our last podcast, and uh, in this one we can report that they they did indeed and have been shipping right this month. So uh, all those lucky buyers um, who uh, bought the collector's edition of Willy Wonka uh, will either have got their machine or will be getting it fairly soon. Right. And um, I don't think the collector's edition uh, sold out yet. So if you're interested in uh, in buying a collector's edition, then you might still be able to do so. Yeah, it's a very attractive-looking game, I have to say. I haven't seen it um, a couple of times now. And, uh, of course, Jersey Jack Pinball were, were one of the four companies who are uh, at IAPA. Right. Uh, they had uh, obviously Willy Wonka there, and I think uh, I don't know what other games I, th- I, th- I saw dialed in in uh, some of the pictures from the from the show, but they might have had other games as well. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um, <coughs> sorry, but uh, yeah, no, well, at least those two games, and possibly more. Um, I would, um, I'd say, well, I haven't seen it in pictures, but I would not be surprised if they would have had a uh, Yellow Brick Road Wizard of Oz. Uh, present, which is basically a game that they introduced uh, this year, at least in this variation. Mm, that's right. Yes, good point. Um, so that's uh, that's basically all, all we can uh, come up with uh, about, about Jersey Jack for this month. I don't. Uh, they're just busy building games. They haven't announced a new game yet, and we don't know uh, when they will. We we were expecting. Um, another title to have come out by the end of the year. Yeah, or at least the announcement. And we might still get that because we still have uh, 26 days left. Yeah, it could happen. So, uh, um, But it, uh, it might also be for early next year. So, um, I think that's more likely at this stage. Yes. Uh, I think we might have uh, might have heard rumours if, uh, if the announcement was, was going to take place in the next couple of weeks. Right. So, um, but uh, speaking of announcements of new games, um, mm-hmm. let's move on to uh, Spooky Pinball, where we're also expecting the announcement of a new game. Although I don't think it will be this month, but I do expect it early January. Yeah. Well, they did say they'll be finished building um, the Alice Cooper games by um, December, or certainly during December. And uh, they they said they do still have a, a very small number of Alice Cooper games left out of the, uh, the the limited run of five hundred. Uh, and when asked what uh, small number was, they were saying it's in well, it's in single digits. So um, it's really, uh, less than ten 
remain unsold right. um, and are available. Um, and you know, I have to say, it's uh, it's a fun game. I think it's their best game so far, personally. But so, uh, if you were looking to buy a spooky pinball um, product, I'd recommend that one. Uh, why there are still some available? Right. They they were not at IAPA, as far as I understand it. No. Um, but they were at a, a show called uh, Days of the Dead, which uh, was held at a hotel in, in Rosemont in uh, Chicago, Chicago, which um, used to be used to be home of Pinball Expo, um, Rosemont. Right. Uh, before they moved up to, to Wheeling. But uh, they were there at the Days of the Dead show with uh, Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, uh, they had uh, Rob Zombie, uh, Spook Show International, that was there as well, and also uh, they had a, a Monster Bash remake on right. their on their stand, which uh, obviously not one of their their games, but uh, very much in keeping with the uh, the theme of the show. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's. Um, but um, I would yeah. say that um, yeah, we would expect to have an announcement probably on Scott Denise's uh, second game. Yeah. To be coming out fairly soon. Scott was uh, at a at a recent show in um, in Florida. in Florida. Yeah, yeah, where he was DJing as well, and um, and Scott was also um, on the recent uh, Spooky Pinball podcast, um, where he um, talked a, a huge story uh, or a big story about uh, how you play. Um, Haunted House Party, which is uh, supposed to be the title <laughs> of his uh, upcoming game. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're interested in that, then I suggest uh, listen to the Spooky Pinball podcast. Because I forgot half about what's uh, supposed to be uh, going on, but it has to do with the guy that is uh, invited to a uh, party at a uh, haunted house. And uh, oh well. Um, but since nobody's believing that will actually be the theme, either it would be a surprise if it actually is, um, uh, or we're looking forward to uh, to what it actually will be. But um, uh, so far, um, the people at Spooky who uh, played it and talked about it uh, said that it's going to be um, their best game yet. Wow. Well. Okay, I've got something to live up to after uh, TNA. Right. So uh, yeah, that's um, that's spooky news. Now let's um, let's move to another another pinball manufacturer and uh, to I was going to say to Streamwood, um, which, which is where they still are. Yeah, I think, American pinball at the moment. Yeah. yeah, they haven't moved to Palantine yet, but no. um, they did have a uh, a party in um, Palantine, I think, where they will be yeah. moving. There was a yeah, Aimtron Fest. Yes, that was the thirtieth yeah. of October. Uh, so we covered that in our last uh, podcast already. Yeah. Oh, forget about it. I didn't mention it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, no. But um, there's sort of big news from American Pinball um, because they announced a new game, but it's not a pinball machine. No, the uh, we, we we alluded to it last time um, with the title of it at least, um, saying it it pretty much summed up you. Um, but their their game their redemption game is called the Flying Dutchman, and uh, they were showing it at IAPA. Uh, they were you know one, another one of the four who was there. Uh, this game is designed by Brian Hansen, 
who uh, was a pinball designer uh, for Pinball Magic and uh, Flipper Football as well. Yeah, and uh, and did some uh, Wizard of Oz uh, design work as well. Uh, the game is is a large piece. I think that's fair to say. It's uh, although it's a large unit, it seems to have quite a small screen on it, which is uh, a bit puzzling. It's got an LCD panel, but it doesn't seem to be that large compared to the rest of it. The basic idea is that you are firing a cannon, and it actually shoots ping pong balls out of the cannon, um, and you're shooting it at a sort of rotating cylinder, which has holes cut in it in various places of various sizes. Um, and if you get a ball in a hole, then uh, the larger the hole, the, the fewer tickets you win, and the smaller ones are the more valuable ones. And it's a timed game, so uh, after you after the time is up, the game shuts off, and uh, you get your tickets. Right. Um, it, it looked very interesting. Look, had a nice light show and everything on it. Um, plenty of LEDs everywhere. It was, uh, it was pretty much mandatory these days for any any redemption piece. So I think it it, it could will do very nicely in a family entertainment centre or, uh, or a mixed arcade. But it's, um, yeah, it's, it's not it's not pinball. We'll, uh, we, we, we'll have to wait until we find out what their next pinball machine is going to be. Yeah, and uh, Joe Balser just confirmed that um, that game will be revealed at the Texas Pinball Festival in, in March. So that's just four months away. Yeah, so it's going to be uh, a busy time at that show, what with uh, uh, Deep Root having uh, having their new game or games there, uh, American Pinball also having it there, and uh, who knows who as else? We just heard, oh, and as we heard, Spooky, uh, uh, you know, well, they'll have to announce their game before that, but it, it should be in production right and then, by that time, so they might have a new have their new game there. Right. Well, Stern usually is waiting until after Texas by revealing uh, yeah. their second game, yeah. uh, second new game of the year. Yeah, it's um, normally almost immediately after Texas. Yes. Like um, the uh, the Monday or whatever straight after. Right. Um, so, but um, yeah, American people also had a special offer um, for the, uh, the the December month where you get a uh, voucher for a $500 discount on a future game purchase if you're buying uh, Houdini or uh, uh, Oktoberfest before the end of the year. So if you're in the market for one of those games and you figure like, well, these guys are doing a great job and I might be interested in a future game as well, then now is your time to, uh, to get one. Yeah, five hundred pound, a five hundred dollars discount, I should say, is uh, not to be sneezed at. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, yeah. So um, and um, um, uh, the final artwork for their uh, mascot, I would call her mm. uh, Amy Pin, has also been uh, revealed. Uh, last month there was already, I think, uh, a uh, black line drawing and now it's colored in so uh, we got to see the final uh, the final version which I think uh, looks very nice and the response online was also very good because people were really hoping that this artist would be doing the artwork for the third game of Spooky which sadly is not the case right oh, okay that's, uh, that's news to me I, um, I hadn't heard that but 
Yeah, oh, I'm not so. quite sure how American are going to use this mascot and in, in, in what what use. I don't think it's going to replace their logo on the games. But you know, maybe it'll be um, maybe it'll be an on the back glass in the corner or something. And uh, but uh, it's a it's it's a nice design, but I'm not not entirely clear how how Amy Pin, as she's called, is is going to uh, feature in future. I don't know either, but uh, uh, I'm curious to see what they plan to do with uh, with her. Yeah, and well, we just say that uh, uh, which is a Joel the Guzman. Um, and he also mm-hmm. did uh, artwork for various pinball shows, posters, and so on. Um, so uh, uh, the name may not ring a bell, but this artwork uh, might be familiar uh, once you know that he did it. So, and, and talking of shows, as we said, uh, American Pinball were at IAPA too. Right. Um, they had, um, I think, they had two Oct- two Oktoberfests and two Houdini machines there right. on their stand. With the uh, f- uh, the Flying Dutchman in between them, absolutely, yeah, that's where that's where they revealed that game. Yeah. So. Okay, so that's um, American pinball news, right? So then, uh, moving on to Dutch pinball. Yeah, that's across the Atlantic. Right. Um, Barry is uh, uh, Dutch pinball is uh, well, it's I guess you could almost call it a one man show, although it's not. Uh, but they are still producing uh, the Big Lebowski pinball. Um, Barry sent out a newsletter and uh, w- where he explained that um, uh, they had to organize their new facility. And uh, at first they didn't have any shelves or whatsoever, um, which uh, made it rather difficult to build games, obviously, because you need a certain part and... Uh, then you need to work yourself through a pile of parts before you get to it. And now they have shelves, and uh, yeah, they were all scattered around the floor, weren't they? Yeah, in boxes, I should say, that were all over the floor. So yeah, certainly not the ideal manufacturing um, setup. But that's that's been addressed now with um, with shelving and uh, racks, and uh, work tables and tool and the tools they need as well. Right, I think. And, um, and I think he's also um, implemented a sort of um, what's called an ERP, uh, an Enterprise Resource Planning System, which is kind of uh, manages the the project. It gives you all the tools that you need in order to you know keep track of uh, milestones and, and and assets and uh, right. Uh, and, and which parts are running low on stock and so on. Uh, Absolutely. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, so uh, um, and uh, other than, uh, or well, more exciting news, I guess. Um, obviously, uh, uh, if those who remember the story of Dutch pinball, um, there were people who ordered a Big Bang, uh, sorry, a Big Lebowski uh, back in 2014, I think it was. Um, and those people are still waiting for their games. Uh, those uh, uh, people who got in early on are called early achievers. And um, uh, in the newsletter, a uh, early achiever laser cut uh, bottom apron was revealed, um, mm. which will be uh, uh, lit from the bottom. And it has uh, several stars that you 
if you're familiar with the movie uh, Resemble, I think they were on the on the wall of the bowling alley. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and um, and they lit up as well. So that's uh, something that will only be on the uh, early achiever games. Yeah, I, I, um, I don't know whether I'm misremembering it, but I, I thought that was actually in the original design for the game that it would have uh, the bottom apron would be backlit and with those um, those sort of starburst cutouts so. in various colours. And then I think it was, it was later taken out of the, of the production games as it was either not um, not something that they could they could do reliably or it was too expensive. Right. And um, I'm not, not exactly sure um, what it was, but um, I think it had got enhanced. Uh, it now says uh, Early Achiever Edition. It's also cut out in, uh, in the apron. So, mm-hmm. um, And I guess that they uh, are able to offer uh, such apron now has to do with finding a new um, supplier for sheet metal. Right. Yes. So um, you know, Barry has been um, outsourcing or, or looking to outsource the assembly of, of certain parts in the game, um, as it's not practical or not the best use of their time to actually you know go building up cables themselves or um, some of the assemblies. It make a lot more sense to get uh, get those made outside and just brought in as complete units that they can then just add into the game. So he's been uh, been doing that, he said, and uh, there was uh, there was also some you know uh, some potentially very good news for those early achievers, in that Barry was saying he thought that um, in early uh, 2020, i.e. Uh, in, in a couple of months' time, he hopes to be able to start sending out the first early achiever games to those people who are already paid. Right. Well, that certainly is good news. Um, and there was even more news uh, because there was a code update for the Big Lebowski. Yeah, um, I don't think anybody was was expecting that um, just yet, but um, it's it's certainly made some improvements. There was there were issues with the the car toy, um, which is sort of comes out. Uh, it's on the upper playfield, which could uh, could swing out and. Um, it, it used to sort of judder at times or um, um, or not move smoothly in and out. Uh, now they've changed the code, and uh, that is apparently, from uh, reports of the, from those who have installed it, uh, generally fixed that problem, I think. So that's very good. Right. Um, other, other than that, there hasn't been a lot of stuff going on. There's been a few, you know, enhanced lighting effects and um, a, a sort of mode... Well, the site rules change to, to where timers stop when the ball um, will be, is either in the upper play field or in the in the pot bumpers. And um, yeah, the talk of pot bumpers is there's um, um, LED. Oh no, there's just more slingshots rather than pot bumpers. To be fair, um, yeah, there's, there's lamp effects on those as well. And um, he's also added something for those uh, for the online. Um, players because you can you can log in and uh, register your scores with the uh, Dutch pinball servers and um, there is now um, there are now some uh, uh, trophies that can be won uh, if you log in before uh, before starting the game 
so uh, that's nice to see um there the, the will be future um updates i'm sure as um, as they get a little more time from away from having to to uh, set up their manufacturing and, and get on to uh, to writing more code and uh, and testing it within the factory right so but it's nice to see a, a new version come out so that's something for those people who who have the game uh, and i think uh yeah. yeah, I think that's uh, pretty much everything. Unless you have any more insights, so did, did, have you spoken to to Barry? No, recently, not, not the past month. No, no. Okay, and uh, no more, no more insights other than than what we've uh, we already brought you. Yeah, no, I think uh, basically that's that that's all we have for for this month. Um, I do have to mention that um, at the beginning of November there was the Dutch Pinball Open. You were there as well. Uh, you mm-hmm. wrote a uh, very impressive report. So if people oh, are interested in what that show was like, then uh, visit Martin's website, pinballnews.com. Oh, that's very kind. And, um, yeah, it was a good show. I enjoyed it. Uh, you and I did our, our quiz there. Uh, we were uh, fortunate enough to have a, a nice bunch of prizes from our, our sponsors. Yeah. So thanks to them, and, uh, well, and of course we will be back doing that again in uh, in Texas in in March, and at the Midway Gaming Classic. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So if you don't catch us down in Frisco, you better catch us up in Milwaukee, and uh, and for those of you who are going to both, um, we're going to have to come up with some with two sets of uh, quiz questions, aren't we? Yeah, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, some work there for us to do, but uh, we we should hopefully be able to give away some some uh, more lovely prizes. Right. So um, uh, I guess that's it for uh, for now. I'm still waiting for Gary to yeah, call. Yeah, where is he? Uh, no, as soon as we finish, he'll call. Probably. Yeah. Oh. But oh well. Yeah. Um, better luck next time, uh, Gary. And uh, well, that's it for now. Um, I'm the editor of Pinball Magazine. Um, there is a slight uh, bit of uh, delay on the reprint of Pinball Magazine number two. Speaking of my own magazine, um, but I hope to go to print uh, this month. So, and, and uh, I'm as Pinball Magazine is not shipping out any orders in December because we had terrible experiences with that in the past so um, the reprint of Pinball Magazine number 2 should be available early January and then we start immediately shipping those Great, and uh, is there any uh, insight you can give us as to when or if the next edition of Pinball Magazine might be available? Well, it's a good one Um, uh, I'm aiming for uh, the middle of March, uh, because we have two pinball shows that we'll be attending, and I'd like to have the magazine there, but I still have to get started, and I also have a career in producing music, and mm. I've been really producing a lot of music lately. Yeah, it's been a busy time, I know. Yeah, we, we talk about that off mic, but it uh, does sound like that's a, that's a big growth area at the moment. Yeah, um, certainly content-wise, um, uh, still a lot of those that music has to be uh, released. That's actually part of the plan. Um, so currently, uh, the plan is to, uh, this week, I will make a planning for music to be released in the first couple of months of uh, 2020. 
which will not see a lot of promotion other than being released and having the, the, the usual uh, promotional things going on. But hopefully some of that can be automated. And uh, uh, in the meantime, I hope to focus on, on uh, finishing Pinball Magazine number six. Great. Well, fingers crossed that will be available uh, in time for Texas and uh, Milwaukee. Yeah. And uh, Midwest Gaming Classic. So yeah. It's going to be yeah. a big task. Uh, basically, I have like three months to do it, and then it needs to be to uh, go to print. So, um, But, yeah, I really want to get a new issue out as well, and not just the, uh, the reprint of issue two. So. And, of course, we'll be back with our, uh, our podcast as well. So that takes up a, a huge chunk of, of time as well, doing all the research yeah. into what's been going on in the pinball world. So, uh, yeah, you've got a busy year ahead. Oh, well, I'm used <laughs> to that. Uh, but it's you all wouldn't fun. want it any other way. No, so far I'm pretty happy with my life. So, good. Yeah, okay. Um, well, I guess we'll have to do it without Gary, but um, we'll be back next month. Uh, with our recap of uh, December uh, of 2016. Uh, sorry, <laughs> 2019. But who knows, we might do another year as well. <laughs> yeah, let's do a retro version. <laughs> we look back at, at, a, at a popular month and all right. the news. Yes. Okay, so uh, until then, anyway, we'll, we'll see you in January 2020 or the end of December. Uh, with with that look back at the month and uh, so until then uh, let us wish you a, a very Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays uh, whatever you are celebrating and um, we hope that uh, 2020 is, a, is another fantastic year for both you and for Pimble Right, okay, and the same for me um, so that's it for now until next month, bye 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 bye